0: Hello! Welcome back to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective Podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and I am so grateful that you are here, especially for this particular episode. This one, I would imagine, is one that you saw that it has to do with finances and budgeting and you were like, no, not for me. And I get it, that would be me usually. And that is exactly why we are having this conversation today with Chie Morita, who is one of the most incredible humans and also incredible resources for artists when it comes to their budgeting and their finances and their relationship to money, which is a really hard conversation to have with anyone, but specifically with artists. And that is exactly why we are having it. With that said, around the conversation, we touch upon many large topics that we do not aim to solve as much as name them in relationship to what we are talking about. So those have to do with guilt, shame, wealth and value, capitalism, societal class structures, budgeting, scarcity mindset, racism, generational trauma, challenging belief systems, and the way we can sometimes belittle ourselves. Again, we are not aiming to solve anything, but I want to give you as much information about what this episode entails before you jump on in. Now before you turn this episode off and go running for the hills, it's worth mentioning that this is probably one of my favorite conversations to date. It is a candid, emotional, human conversation about so much more than what you see on paper as a list of topics. With all of that said, this is an incredibly important episode and, frankly, a bedrock of what the Empowered Artists Collective is all about, and I am so excited for you to take a listen. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to this episode of the Empowered Artists Collective. As you can tell, we are in the middle of a romp already um, with one of my all-time favorite people who I've never met in person, Um, truly, like... At this point in the this, you know, junior year of pandemic, it's just like, yeah, Chie has become a, a good friend, I'd like to say, and also mm-hmm. one I've literally never seen in real life. So hi again, virtually. <laughs> um, Welcome to this podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. As you were saying that, I was like, yeah, that's true. Like, I have no idea, like, how tall you are. Yeah. Conceptually, I have an idea of of like your size and shape in the world yeah and that's so bizarre
0: and it's also Um, just like an energy thing like i feel like i know what you feel like energetically mm -hmm. but i have actually no concept of your energy in real space just the strangest so weird but also nobody like like, i'm not going to introduce you hi tell tell the world who are you today (laughs)
1: Hi. Hello, world. Hello. Hello, loyal listeners. I don't know. What do we say on podcast? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know, I, I don't don't know what we out. say. I don't This is my, I'm, am I doing it? Are we doing it? We are doing um, it.
0: <laughs> I, think. My,
1: I think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Chie, Chie Morita. I use she, her pronouns, uh, and I'm currently stream yarding in. Is this, or do we use these as verbs now? Um Great, it's fabulous. Uh, from Chitimacha and Choctaw Land, colonially known as the Bywater in New Orleans. Um, here deep in the gras at the moment, we are we are the countdown has begun, so the the mardying has it's commenced, it's everywhere. Unreal. Um, and I am a petite Asian American woman with a shaved side of my head. Uh, pretty, pretty grown out, pretty aggressively grown out, long on the on the long side. Um, I am wearing feather earrings from a fabulous Navajo artist. A Which by the way, are black.
0: incredible, like oh, so beautiful. thank you, mm-hmm.
1: thank you. They, um, I, I scavenged them I lovingly, scavenged them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I am in front of a a beautiful white kitchen in a polka dot sweater. Amazing,
0: and I guess. Thus far, your connection with EAC has been in what capacity? Would you say? I know what I would say, but uh, what
1: what would I say? Um, uh, finance doula is that? Yeah. What I Ooh. Say? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'd say. I'm the co founder of Forge NYC, uh, and we exist to help artists and makers define their own success and then plot a course towards getting there. Um, and I think the work that I've done with the AAC so far is really starting down that journey of financial wellness and financial, dare we say, abundance um, to a place where there are plans in place and at least you can make. Knowledgeable, informed decisions about your spending, uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, keep a budget and feel more confident about your financial life, um, so that you can plot courses towards sustainability.
0: Yeah, I mean, this—I'd say this topic of finance is one that many people a avoid because of all of the feelings around it and or experiences prior to it. And that was one that when we started EAC, it was like, this is the one that must be a part of every single anything that we're doing as even just the starter, taster, whatever, Mm -hmm. to the conversation because it is something that frankly no one talks about really in any field whatsoever, but specifically with artists. And it's also just this anomaly of this Thing that hangs over us that we need to somehow figure out with what feels like zero guidance or any sort of education or grounding. Um, And so, you know, for anyone listening now, and you heard the word finance come into the space. Just know that even though we literally can't see you, see you, we do see you and we hear you, and and that is exactly why we have these conversations, just to even begin, kind of fleshing it out. And so it doesn't become as perhaps scary as it may for many. Um, I know that that has been a real, a real stepping stone for myself too in my own journey, but just uh, for many of those individuals who have gone through our various cohorts and such thus far. And
1: the way that I like to look at money, big umbrella, money in general, is as a tool. And it is a tool that is out there in the world that some people have tons of this tool sitting in their pocket, some people have none of this tool sitting in their pocket. But, but so we could say with hammers as well, right? Some people have like five hammers in their, in their toolkit and some people don't own any hammers at all. Mm-hmm. And when you have to hang a painting, you use something else, or you borrow one from a neighbor, or you do, and this is a huge oversimplification. And we also, like, I should name in this moment, that as we oversimplify, we're also uh, needing to point at the underlying problems that sit systemically within the capitalist society that we Mm -hmm. live in. Like, there there is a huge problem with class, and how we handle class in the United States, and how class connects with wealth and how wealth connects with value and there's a there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot here but at its very core a dollar bill is a tool you can use it to buy something you can use it to exchange for something a hammer is a tool you can use it to put a nail into a wall they are both tools um and i think if we can start there we can make dollar bills a little less scary Mm -hmm. um and if you don't know how to use a hammer maybe it's a little scarier But when you learn how to use a hammer, it's a little less scary, you know? Um, And, but all that being said, like, it does bring up a huge pile of feelings. Like there is a lot of shame and guilt and insecurity and fear wrapped up in finances, partially because there is very little education in the States around just like basic, basic financial wellness, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: ins and outs of money and and, and just you know math <laughs> it, yeah. it is, it is math and at the end of the day the numbers are really not going to lie to you um, but we don't look at them because they're scary and they bring up they bring up so so much um, and I wish I wish they didn't because they really it's not their fault it's not the numbers <laughs> fault but it does bring up a lot
0: <laughs> honestly I, it's easier to blame the numbers though like I feel like for me it's totally. like oh no no I'm not a math person oh no no I don't understand the numbers so like why even associate myself with something that I don't I just don't I just don't relate to that. But it's like, no, like, it doesn't really work that way. Like, that is the structure. Whether I want to tear it down or not is relevant. But, like, that is the structure as it stands. And it's like I kind of have to deal with the fact that, like, oh, these are numbers. They're telling a story. The story says something about me and my choices. And that isn't a good or a bad thing. It just is, you know. And I feel like you've said that so many times. And it's something that really resonated with me is just this idea of even just seeing it. You know, this we as artists... um, if we're, we are nothing but storytellers, right? And Mm -hmm. reframing Mm -hmm. that idea of the numbers and money and just seeing it all in front of you as a story was actually something really, I mean, it seems so small, but it made, for me, was a mind-blowing shift of, Mm -hmm. oh, right, I'm good at storytelling. I am I am a great actor (laughs) like Mm -hmm. so why if this is also another version of storytelling how can I then find my way into that story and use that as a way for me to find my path in there um I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts as to that as the narrative that you do share and like why that has perhaps been something that's been successful
1: Mm -hmm. yeah uh Let's see where to start. So I think that as creative people, artists, makers, storytellers in the world, it is the most natural thing to, to, to weave a tale, mm. right. And to, to add detail and add color and characters and write into and just like, to weave this tale. Um, and if you can take that skill, that's so natural, that thing that comes to each of us so naturally. And I think like when I say each of us and I say artists and makers, like I actually sneakily mean like everyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like I think that all all humans are makers, all hu- humans are artists. They may not choose to self-identify that way. But I think that that creative spirit in all of us is is kind of what I'm talking have about you, here when I say I'm that.
0: interrupting you. Have you watched Making It with Amy Poehler and, and Nick Offerman? I have not. I feel like... I feel like this might be a show for you too. Mm. It's just like a bunch <laughs> of regular human beings who like in their own spare time make things out of like styrofoam mm. or whatever they do. And they're just like anything that they can find They they make. And you know, it's like comes from the DIY world that we're in right now, but it's just this really, mm-hmm. this wonderful view into, you don't have to be this by profession in order to just create. And so I think that's just anyway. interrupted you.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and, and when we speak about financial narrative as well, like, I think that that's a huge part of it too. Like, what are you asking your art to do for you financially? And this comes back to defining your own success. Like we have been handed this version of success that looks like suits and money and banks and cars and opulence and great, the great Gatsby, right. we've been handed this thing that's supposed to look like success or this thing that we're reaching for that even, even if maybe we don't even want that, like it's this, there's like, we've been handed this thing and we've told that that's what success is. And we've told that that's where it should go. I feel like for men, it's very that shaped for women, it's, you know, babies and families and white picket fences and owning a house. Um, And if you sit anywhere in the midst, the gender spectrum that is not on the binary, it's even more confusing to try and figure out where amongst that story you're supposed to sit. But if you allow yourself the power to choose your own success and define it for yourself and say, my creativity, the success of my creativity sits in making things. I would like to make a thing every day. It doesn't need to do anything. It just, I want to make it. I want to activate my hands and my heart and my brain. And I want to make a thing. I want to color. I want to make a pair of earrings. I would like to crochet this thing. I'd like to write a song. Um, And that's it. That's success. Success for me as a creative person is that I made something today and maybe I shared it with someone or maybe I loved it or maybe I hated it, but I made something today. It's very different than my creative success looks like being a creative that makes their entire financial well-being through my art. Two totally different sides of the spectrum, both incredibly valid and incredibly fulfilling and incredibly wonderful, but totally different worlds when it comes to planning how you're going to live your life. Mm. And of course, everything in between, right? Because we don't we, we live on this binary. Um, and, and that's where the storytelling comes in. Is my story that I make all these things and they become Christmas presents for my nieces and nephews and niblings? Is my creative story that I am on Broadway doing X, Y, or Z is my creative story that I tour around the country in a van singing songs to the people that I meet. I don't, there's so many different versions of what that story can be for, for any individual. Um, and it's going to change too. That's the other wonderful thing about a story. But we we even through this amazing ability that each of us have to weave these stories, we somehow get stuck when we come to weaving our own. And that comes back to the guilts and the shames and the value problems that we've run into in this society, specifically in America. We don't value artists enough. We don't value creativity enough. We don't teach it enough. So how are how are we supposed to believe that our own energy and our own creativity is valuable and then turn that into our own story and then live that own story and then finance that own story, our own story? I feel like my grammar just like went to total garbage there
0: but who cares we're here no. to talk numbers we're not here in an english class you know let's keep <laughs> let's keep our subject straight yeah. okay we like we're here <laughs> i've entered in my brain i'm like okay this is the class that i I know my shoulders go tight (laughs) and I'm trying to be like, you know, so it's cool. If your grammar went like great, that's where I would be thriving. So I'll pick up the slack for you over there. Like, we got it. Great, great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're totally fine. Don't worry. (laughs) (sighs) I guess I have so many follow up questions. All right. First and foremost, I hear that. I love the idea that our own stories can change clearly, right? We grow and we morph as people, hopefully, and we continue developing, hopefully, as human beings on this planet as the world changes and evolves around us as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But what happens when, for example, people plan for the one story and then the story shifts and you have to replan again? Is it like you have to go fully restructuring again when you view your, say, finances and you see the story that it's saying telling, you have to go. Is this like a st- repeat structure that you're um, suggesting? Suggesting? Really... I said suggesting. <laughs> like, I, I guess I, I'm also <laughs> so here. I'm sorry. not speaking English today. So here <laughs> we are. Fine. It's fine.
1: There are, there are so many other languages we can use. <laughs> it'll be great. Um, that's an amazing question. I, I think... The work that that I do with Forge um, is really grounded in a foundation of language as well and around personal mission. Uh, and again, like I have to add a huge asterisk in here to mention that like we are speaking the colonizers' tongue. We are we value education in a linguistic space in a way that really, really over-benefits uh, a populace that already has a lot of benefits and can be incredibly harmful. So like We'll put that into the basket with um, with the the class and societal societal and systemic uh, capitalistic problems that we're gonna Mm -hmm. you know fix fix in this hour, right? Yeah, of course, clearly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, solving everything. Um, But if you know why you're here, what your mission is to be here to do, and that mission might be I'm here to be a mom, or I'm here to make this thing, or I'm here to solve homelessness, whatever your mission is as a human being on this planet, probably is linked to all the little things that you're making, not little things, big things, massive things, tiny things, all the things that you're making probably have something to do with that drive. Even if that creative urge is simply making space for the work that you're doing out in the world, we cannot be on 100% of the time. We, in the brilliant words of Joanna Carpenter, you cannot pour from an empty cup. We must all understand our own refilling strategies. Maybe the crocheting is the thing that you do to refill your cup so that you can go out and be a social justice warrior. Who knows? But understanding why you're, are you here? Why are you here? What are you here to do? How are you changing the world? What's your stuff? That plan is the plan I want to help people develop towards financial wellness. Because whether you're making a hot dog stand or a piece of theater, the structures and the numbers are not that different. And the way that we make things is more similar than it is different. I think, um, no matter what it is, and so if you can take the the tactic of making something and break it apart in a financial way, that tool you can apply to you can apply to anything. Um, and so I think if the plan starts from a place of of mission driven urge, that even if the product changes a little bit. The numbers will be adaptable.
0: Yeah. How would you feel about just doing because we can and like a in a hypothetical
1: mm-hmm.
0: in real time, like right now,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. of like of a plan changing yeah. for someone,
0: mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. like okay. random arbitrary numbers in the ether that, like, or like just like a story that I've told that comes from a, I don't know, making literally going to make this up on the fly is this like Great. let's try. It. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, we're
0: yeah, we're storytellers. Great. We
1: can we're 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 improv Great. folks yeah. here. Yeah. So
0: I I feel like on this planet I um I don't have like a why necessarily because I feel like that actually boxes me in and I feel like that actually is like leading back to systems in place to try to minimize us and our potential. So I actually don't personally have a why statement, but I feel like in this moment right now I as an artist, as a teacher, as a coach, as an actor, as a singer, as a collaborator, all of these things, I'm here to serve. I think that has really been my my mo at the moment of what do I have? What have I been given? What are the gifts that I have, and how can I give that to others in a way that fully doesn't deplete myself, but to serve? So, mm-hmm. assuming mm-hmm. that I wanted to like create a short film, let's just do that. And this short film, I don't literally don't know. I'm making all this up. My the short film um, has a story that hopefully um, serves in some capacity and tells a story that has yet to be told. Great. I would. Is it I would look at my own personal finances and see how I can budget it out? Is it a totally separate situation? Like, what am I doing?
1: So I first just want to name the fact that you did just beautifully articulate your why right there. So I think you do have one. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, like abstractly, <laughs> like you say sure,
0: abstractly it. I have yeah. one. I just don't like to call it that because then that feels like a label. I guess I'm so not into the labeling of the things because mm-hmm. then it's, you know, if one day somebody wants to change their label, then like, then they have to go through all the rigmarole about like telling everybody that their label has changed. Like nobody needs to know. Sure. It's like for you. So yes, of course I know what my quote unquote why is. Like I know why I'm on this planet. I'm very, very yeah. clear as to like how I'd, I'd <laughs> like to interact with people. But yeah, yeah, maybe like logistically mm-hmm. I don't call it that for sure.
1: Okay. But, right, well, no, but well, you can right, challenge well, me. Here. I like mm-hmm. it. It's good. <laughs> it's it's your whole heart label. Yeah. We don't have to we don't have to look at it or share it to anyone yeah. else, but I do think it's on there something. Um so okay, so uh you you are a, a person who comes to this planet in a in from a spirit of service, and the way you would like to serve your your crowd today, your community today, is through a short film. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. So step one, we hope that you have some sort of awareness around your own personal finances. Um, The way that I teach this in finances narrative, um, as I've done with EAC in times past, is take one month of your personal finances, just one month of your credit card statement, any cash receipts, all of your stuff. Um, And you can pull this from an old record or you can start today and just collect really diligently a month of financial records. Just collect them. Step one collect your financial record. Step two, we sort, we sort that financial record down into categories. Um, Those categories can include things like, your home, your, which is your rent and your electrical bill and is way too high, especially if you live in New York City. <laughs> um, another category might be wellness, um, any fitness classes that you take or a meditation app that you love or whatever you're doing for your own wellness. Uh, another category might be your lifestyle. This catches a lot of things. This catches needing to buy uh, nail polish because that was a thing that you wanted today? uh, The coffee that you're consuming, the uh, shoes that you need for something, um, groceries. So we sort, we sort into categories and then we can see where we're spending our money and we can start thinking about where we are valuing the things in our lives from a financial perspective as well. Um, We see a lot of folks, well, I see a lot of folks, we, we, I think we see a lot of that. I think we've seen this trend in EAC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that once you hit this point, there's a huge number of, of people that just look at this information and go like, oh, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like I spend this much money on coffee a month and I own a coffee maker mm-hmm. and I feel really broke. And there's a thing I could look at mm-hmm. or wow, I am paying like Seventy five percent of my expenses is my rent. Wow. You know, like it's it's information, right? It is neither good nor, nor bad. It doesn't carry any kind of moral significance. Also, it is not good or bad that you spend that much money on coffee. It is not good or bad that you spend that much money on rent. You just do. It is the information in front of you. It is your reality and you've just lived it. So you know that it's your reality because you just did it, right? Mm -hmm. And once we have this information, you can start to plan. How would you like to move through the world differently with this information? How would you like to change your habits or look at those habits and ask questions about yourself about why these things are happening? Um, I know for certain that when it gets colder, when the months turn colder, Uh, I'm more reliant on hot drinks that I can purchase out like the ability to like duck into a coffee shop and like get a nice little warm thing and like walk down Mm. the street with it is it's a comfortable place for me to be it's lovely I like it it brings me a lot of joy it is also expensive so I plan for it I know that that's a thing that's going to be coming out of my wallet more in the winter months than in the summer months Um, and I can make a plan for that and maybe I you know order out a little less or I find a less nail polish or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you reorganize. Once you have that foundation, you can start to do things like save or put money towards causes, philanthropic causes you might want to give to or put towards things that you want to save for. Like, uh, you know, my friend's wedding is next year. So I want to save up for that so that I can travel to their wedding or whatever it is. And one of the things you can save for is large creative projects. Probably in your month to month, as you're looking at your expenses, you are you are spending on whatever your creative joy is. Um, maybe that is buying a new microphone so that you can do more voiceover work. Maybe that is putting some uh, efforts, different efforts into a wardrobe choice so that you can have different looks for on-camera stuff. Maybe that is buying new makeup, right? There's lots of... and speaking specifically here towards towards actors, mm-hmm. towards performers, um, but maybe it's new binders or maybe it's tap shoes, you know, whatever it is. You're probably spending in that way towards your creative passions anyway. And you can sort those as well and see how much you're spending on your job that is mm-hmm. being an actor or being a tap dancer or being a singer or whatever it is. Um, and think as well about what success for that person looks like. If success for your tap dance career means Being a professional tap dancer who is on tour and, you know, 250 days a year and is bringing home the bacon from that career, spending the money on those really great tap shoes has a different impact than if you're a casual tap dancer who maybe busks a couple times a week. Mm. Um, And from there we say, great, we want to make a short film. How much do short films cost? There's some research that can be done there. Um, That's where I would encourage going to a mentor or taking to a A conversation with a friend who's made a short film before. Start talking to folks who've done it before. Um, How much do these things cost? What did it cost you? What did you learn? And then create a budget for that short film. Spoilers: budgets are guesses. Everyone is guessing. (laughs) Everyone. (laughs) People will tell you they're not. It's an. It's a hopefully really really educated guess, but it's a guess every time. And the more budgets we make, and the more that we plan, the better we can get at guessing about this wild and silly life ride that we're on Uh, (laughs) and so the more short films you make the more you're going to know. I am also going to take this this moment to stand on the tiny soapbox that is budgeting is a value statement. Creating a budget from a place of your values is a radically creative and radically excellent act towards your values and fighting for what you believe in in the world. Can
0: you elaborate on that?
1: Absolutely. I would love to. So let's say you build a budget for this short film um, and you would never do this. But since we're working in the hypothetical, Mm -hmm. let's say you decide all of the people that are going to work on the film are going to volunteer for you.
0: God forbid. God forbid. God
1: forbid. (laughs) God forbid. Right. But I cannot tell you how many budgets that I see like this, right. Where everyone works for free. We've all, I mean, I I mean, dear listeners, like raise your hand if you've got, I mean,
0: absolutely. We're both raising hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Clearly. Mm -hmm. Yes. This has happened. Um,
1: But that's a value statement that is saying like, I believe that on this project in which I'm spending all of this money on all of these things, that the thing that I can not pay for is human labor. Mm -hmm. And we don't believe that here. We don't believe that here at EAC. No. So if we believe that bodies and time are important, we must value them. We must value them with dollars. We must value them in, in a way that you can go back out in the world and spend those monies, right? Um, so, or let's say that uh, as you're making this short film, you decide you really wanna have an all queer production team. Um, and let's say that this all queer production team has some needs. They, maybe are some access needs, maybe there are some time needs, maybe there are some spatial needs um, that are different than a, than the other folks that you might hire and the other folks, maybe they're cheaper Mm -hmm. and maybe you might say, no, like I would like to value these people and give them what they need to do the work that they are asking for. And so I will. I will take a little more time to make this film, which is going to cost them more money. I'm going to make sure that their access needs are met. I'm going to make sure that they have the stuff that they need mm-hmm. to do their work at their very best. And that's a value statement to say like, no, we will do it the right way, the good way, capital G good way, um, whatever those values are for you. You can fu- infuse those into your budgets and uh, and and insist that people be taken care of the way you would like to be taken care of. And that is how we teach those we work with, how to value yeah. us, um, is, to, is to make those insistences. Um, so you build your budget, you have your budget, it's probably a guess. And as you go through production, you're going to learn where we guessed more than maybe we didn't, right? We start to uh, purchase things and pay people and rent things. And we realize maybe we're a little over budget here, we're a little under budget here, we can move, move as we go and flex as we go. We do want these tools to be emergent for us. Um, and by the end of this, uh, the end of films being what they are, probably at the end of pre production, you have a moment to reorganize. And at the end of filming, you have a moment to reorganize. And then as you go into post, you have a moment to reorganize. So you have some places to sort mm-hmm. of reorganize your numbers. Um, and knowing what your personal finances are doing for you, you know how much money you personally have to invest in this project and how much money you need to raise. And this is, you know, I don't. A whole whole bag of beans.
0: This is like part do duh, over here just yep yeah. mm-hmm.
1: part four yeah I'm raising money for things. Um, but you will know what it what what it will bear on you. And this is a place that I think we see so often. Creators say, like, "Oh, well, if I want to make this, I have to personally go into the debt of whatever, to the tune of whatever it's going to cost me to make this thing, in order to make it. And it's my passion project, so of course I will. And the show must go on, and of course I won't pay myself. Mm-hmm. Eh, nope. Please, <laughs> please, mm-hmm. let's find a different way. The the value of your time can be shown in these in these tools they can be they are they are they're worn on your body as well like you you feel we all feel the weight of this unpaid time this unvalued labor Um, don't do it you know you can make that choice that's different for yourself as well and that goes back to defining success for you too Um, insist on your own value insist on the value of the people that you are working with put it down in writing commit to it and then raise the money um, at Forge we say all the time if you if you can't afford the people, you can't
0: afford the project. Ooh, we love that. People
1: are time is valuable, human
0: effort is valuable. Ooh, but that phrasing is so good. If you can't afford the people, <laughs> you can't afford the project. Ooh, and we stamp that. And thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> Ooh, that's so it. good. So good. So then I guess then the question here would be like, if I then pivot, okay, or and or like I did my short film, it did what it did. And now I need to raise money for the next thing. Or let's say while I was in pre production for this short film, I actually realized I don't want it to be a film, I actually want it to be a theatrical piece of something. And that becomes a whole slew of a new budget. Is it just like, okay, cool, let's guesstimate here, do the same type of value-based check-ins of what is important for this theatrical piece now that it's no longer a short film and then come back and do it all over again? Rinse, wash, repeat?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the non-budgeting step that I would add in there is of course communication. Like, you know, w- why is this change coming up now? Who do we need to talk to about making this change a reality? Um, who does this mean is going to stay on the project, and who does this mean is going to separate from the project? Um, are we ensuring that those people that we asked for their time and that have committed to us and maybe not taken other work because they said yes to us, are we still paying those mm-hmm. people for their time and their energy and their and their value? Um, and how are we making that pivot? And let's make it in the most intentional and loving way we possibly can. And that's to to you as well as to the rest of the team. Like let's be mm-hmm. kind and intentional about all of the things that we do make that pivot with grace um everything is gonna change you know i mean this is a really especially now we're in such a wild and wiggly time um something's gonna wiggle and you're gonna have to adapt uh and there's a lot of budgeting tools certainly that can be applied there. Make sure that you have a healthy contingency so that you have a little bit of emergency money if something goes over budget. Adding in some miscellaneous lines for spending so that you know you have a little extra money tucked away in that marketing budget if you need to buy a few more ads, whatever whatever the thing is. Um, and a lot of a lot of these line items can be transferable. You know, we're going to pay people to act in the film. We're going to pay people to act in the theater show we are going to need to buy a location to shoot. We're also going to need to buy a location to put the show on. Mm-hmm. Um, those locations are going to be different and they're probably going to cost different amounts of money. But it's a similar similar way of thinking, mm-hmm. I think, to sort of plan out all of the things that you need and then decide what those things are going to cost you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is also all like, we're living in a hypothetical thinking Absolutely. space here at this point, you know? And it's it's sometimes we feel thanks to the the oppressive nature of a scarcity mindset that we've all been handed that is uh, a lie, but that's that's like part six.
0: Uh- <laughs> I actually think that's bumped up uh, before the other one. I think that one's before we fundraise.
1: Probably like part yeah. three, yeah. Um. You know, we've been handed this scarcity mindset that tells us that we have to move really fast, that we have to be productive, that we have to like get this stuff done. Um, and that's the thing that I like prescribe to, and the necessity of that is really, of scarcity, is really uh, harmful. Um, And in those moments of pivot, I think that's really a great place to think about why that change is coming up, you know, is, is why is this change coming up, where are those problems coming from, how can we be really intentional about making this shift? Um, and then later on, maybe next time you think you want to make a short film, you can also sort of ask like, "Is this really a short film?" Because last time it wasn't. Like, what is it now? Um, and that saves time and energy too. Um, but like, you you have way more time than you think you do. You know, you have a moment to stop and take stock, raise the money you need, put the plans in place that you need, build the infrastructure, take care. Right? It doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Um, we are, in fact, not curing cancer and you know, like things take the time they take and that's okay. Yeah.
0: Besides the incredible budgeting tool that you just like briefly, you know, looped everybody into, um, that obviously cohort members in EAC have done for themselves and people with you at Forge can do if they were to reach out and all of that, which I will obviously will share at the end of this. But, um, besides that, what would you say would be, and clearly it it changes per person and their needs and where they are in their, you know, awareness of their finances and or budgeting and or any of that. But what would you say are the like pitfalls that you have seen over the course of what you do with artists that you were like, oh, if only they had had this or is it like, is it an accountant? Is it a financial advisor? Is it a a book that they need to read? Like, what is it like if you wish anybody had that thing before they even started? Is there something? (sighs) This is either like a, yes, there's too many and you don't have time. or Like, (laughs) no, because it's, it really depends.
1: (laughs) No, I, I think so. If, if I'm speaking specifically to, well, maybe not. I don't know. I think I'm speaking specifically to like performance artists in this answer. Um, and it, and it's a, it's, it's a thing that I wish we had all not had. I wish we had all not been taught that we were disposable. Mm. Mm. And and I don't, you know, and I don't, I value teachers very much. I think they are incredibly important. They are underpaid and undervalued themselves. And I think that's some of where this lesson comes from. But this, this like starving artist show must go on thing that we're handed mm. is, is garbage. And I think we, and I, I was taught it certainly. Um, and not to mention the i was going to say subtle but i don't actually think it was subtle uh, but like the the layers of 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 racism and classism and clickiness um that layer in into high school and theater uh, high school and college theater programs like there, there's just so many pieces to mm-hmm. this and like i wish that we had not been taught to belittle ourselves yeah. um and to be ashamed we were good enough or guilty that we didn't have the right thing whatever it was the right tool the best brushes the you know whatever it was um and yeah and I and if I take that and I try and spin it positive because I I would love to do that um I I think I just wish we had more like life tools earlier and more you know I mean I was homeschooled up until high school um and uh, recently, I was going through a whole bunch of like old notebooks and stuff uh, doing a sort of pandemic purge. And one of the things that I came across was one of my early math notebooks. And my mom would like make she'd like make me math worksheets, um, you know, fill in the this and fill in the that. But almost all of it was narrative. Um, it was there would be a little like story written out and all of the stories were practical you know, they were about taxes. They were about sales Mm. tax. They were about uh, baking, you know, measurements and baking. They were all like, it was all really like practical stuff. And like, this is, it's life's tools. It's, it's, it doesn't, it's so infused in everything that we do and we haven't been taught to see it. And we have been handed with this scarcity and with this, this general devaluing of the creative spirit that if you don't have if you're not good at numbers, you can't do math. Yeah. Or if you don't have a marketing degree, you can't, you don't know how to market anything. And like, it's not, it's, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, which isn't, again, which isn't to say that like a high level degree is not going to make you better and more skilled at a certain niche of tools and a certain type of skills. But there is nothing about, there's nothing about you that is bad at numbers. Right. Inherently. Right, it is. It is about perhaps a choice that you made. It is. It's certainly an aversion, the feelings that come up, all of your training, certainly generational trauma. There's just like so much stuff yeah. in there. Um, but like you are not as a person, you are not inherently bad with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the same. That can be said for anybody and anything. And like, I, and maybe that's the lesson here, in um, dear listeners, if you hear your own mean voices telling yourselves that you're bad at something. Um, well, I just, I've never, I've never taken a social media class, so I'm just bad at social media. Uh, well, I'm a bad cook because I just was never taught. Uh, I'm, I just, I'm shit at painting. Whatever it is that your mean voices want to say, let's challenge those mean Mm -hmm. voices. Let's ask them why they think that thing that they're thinking about us. And let's, let's go toe to toe with that voice. Um, and, and do some, do some work around how we can turn that voice down
0: um i mean that's you're literally this is what i mean you just you just reiterated exactly why i keep bringing you back because we are so in alignment i mean that's literally why eac was created because we've been taught and told certain things And all this stuff that we frankly should have been, I hate the word should, but should have been taught or told about life and being a human and also being an artist, like all of those things, we were never taught those things. And those are actually the things that are important to being a person and an artist. Like if we don't have these belief systems that we all have about the world that we live in and that it has to be this certain way or that, oh, well, this is the industry and therefore it must be done this way because it's how it's been this whole, like, That is a story like we've been talking Mm -hmm. about, a story that we have been told and taught so that everything is, is neat and put in a little bow and nobody disrupts. But like, who are we if we're not people who are trying to disrupt that system? Who are not in like a, you know, like a screw everybody, but it's a, that is our job. Like our job as artists is to tell stories differently and to say, but what if it's this this time? And what if we told it this way? Or what if I didn't think that way? Or as you just so beautifully said, like, what if I challenge that thought that has been told to me? Well, I can't take up space. Well, why? Well, because I'm a woman. Okay. Well, why? Because I'm tall. Okay. Well, why? Because I think like, and really just keep on like sussing that out and digging and digging. Like you'll get to the core of the fact, which is like, oh, right, this is bullshit. (laughs) Like not always, but majority of the time. And I just, it makes me, I mean, that's literally why this whole entire community exists is because I don't believe that that is the world that we need to be living in. I really, really don't. And if it starts right here in this little podcast conversation that we're having or little cohorts (laughs) that we're having, or like slowly budding, like I really, think that is the whole point the whole point is like we are in control of, of shifting that narrative for ourselves of giving mm-hmm. ourselves these mm-hmm. these tools by a, by challenging the fact that okay if this teacher is telling me this thing why are they saying that to me is it because they have been stuck in this position for a really long time and they're bitter about the fact that they haven't been acting for a while like I, I mean not to put them down but maybe okay cool that's mm-hmm. not about me then that's not about me And now I'm, you know, like I just I think back and now I'm on my soapbox here because you just got me like riled up. But I think back to I had a really traumatic and by trauma, I mean, it's like just like the impression that it made on me took me 10 plus years. Um, When I was in theater camp, when I was 15 years old, I had a. I would call them a mentor at the time. Um, this is a very personal story that I'm going <laughs> to release into the ether, but here we are, where um, I was cast in their shows like every summer. And then once, like the, pa- the latter two summers, I was not, not cast in their shows again. And I asked them my final hmm. year in my theater camp, and I was like, hey, like, why didn't you cast me in your shows anymore? Which was bold as a 15 year old, but that's what I'm, you know, prone to do in my life is <laughs> be bold. And they said something that, That was so damaging to me that I don't, I'm clearly, they didn't know that that impact that they were going to, what they said was going to have on me, but it literally impacted my entire undergrad education in my acting Mm -hmm. all the years before that. And even like, I'd say into my MFA where I just, I could not believe that I could be all that I was and am because of what they said and the impact that these words had because I trusted them and wanted to believe that everything that they said was true because of the mentorship that I thought I had with them. And it's like, well, actually, mm, no. (laughs) And then it took me however many years to try to overcome that and recognize like, oh, this really had nothing to do with me.
1: Mm you know.
0: And just the unlearning and the muscle to unlearn is so unsharpened. Uh-huh. And how can we sharpen that tool?
1: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I just, I have said, I want to like scoop up 15-year-old
0: Jennifer. and just, I did like, too. I, like, oh yeah. No, I, I mean, trust me, in therapy, we've dealt with that one for many years, <laughs> sure. scooping her up and being like, you are enough. You really, mm-hmm. and you are talented. You are enough. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, like truly, you know, the smallest of words that people can say can stick with us for whatever those reasons mm-hmm. are.
1: hmm Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I don't you know I wish and I, th- I think something else that t- to continue answering your you know is there like a thing that yeah if we all could have had we would have I mean I think one of the other answers to that is mentorship um and I wish that mentorship couldn't like didn't have so much opportunity to go like terribly terribly right. wrong um and and that's good mentorship uh, good mentorship whatever that The means. quotes
0: yes the quotations yeah around the-, the
1: quotes yes Good, good mentorship, um, but leadership in a positive way that can like help shepherd you into the world and to to offer some of these lessons. I mean, I think that would be, I mean, mentorship, I think good mentorship
0: is really hard to find. It's also something that I think a good mentor, like a good mentor, or at least the ones that I've had that have been good, have been the ones that recognize that they don't know everything and that they can mm-hmm. shepherd you onto people who do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I think that that's and, a, a humbling thing to be able to do but be like I don't know this yeah. they might know yeah. better than me.
1: Well and to ask questions. Yep. I mean I really do think that there's so much creative inquiry in the process of being a person. Um and and we are not handed enough opportunities I think to 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 push that inward and to ask ourselves why and like is this mine or am I just carrying this for someone else? Um and the ability to ask those questions I think are are it can be hugely impactful mm-hmm. but it's also another not really another tool that we've been handed yeah. and and again like i i i work with some of the most amazing people who dream up the most beautiful worlds um i mean just beautiful incredible articulate flowery language stunning images like these amazing worlds and yet do not imagine a world in which they are not oppressed mm. And there, and I, and that, and it breaks my heart, you know? And I think I do that too. You know, I, I also can get into, into my own little spiral. that is like, you know, my little dark pit, you mm-hmm. know, exists too, but we have so much creative energy and so much creative capital in, in our, in our hearts and minds and brains and bodies. And we use so much of it to beat ourselves up. Yeah and I wish
0: we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to like hold space for that too, because I feel like it's one of those things that it's not even that I, of course I wish that we didn't, but it's also that we were somewhere in the trajectory of life. We were told or taught that that is just what it is. That is something that like we would just do to ourselves you know, mm-hmm. but like you watch babies in the world and they they are present and they are experiencing things in real time and then they move through and the emotions move through because that's what emotions do. A dog, mm-hmm. watch a dog, like a dog looks at you when it eat, wants to eat and it will sit when it wants something and it, it cuddles you. It's just very in the moment and present. And as we've developed and as, you know, larger systems beyond us have subconsciously or consciously told us these things about ourselves that, it, yeah, it's become this – It's just, it just seems to be the way that it has to be that, like, yeah, we have to, we have the little, I call it the little fucker, but like the little fucker on my shoulder, just like whispering in my Mm -hmm. ear that, like, Mm -hmm. I just, of course, the little fucker is going to be a part of my life, but Mm -hmm. it didn't have to be there. It doesn't have to be there. I've just given them space. And that space and that energy, as you so beautifully said, could be put elsewhere or just the countering of that, of like, cool, there's the little fucker and, also there could be like the little encourager. I've never called it that, but I need to find a better word. You know, like they're even.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you watched The Emperor's New Groove? Of course. Classic. Okay. So we have, so we have Angel Kronk and Devil Kronk. Exactly. Cronk, mm-hmm. Right. Like, yes, yep. yes, of course. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I think my, I energetically place so much blame behind culture mm-hmm. as well when I'm thinking about my own personal little mean voice. Um, because so much of the way that I was raised, I, I, the sort of st- the strictness of my father, the rules that I had to, I mean, like all of these things, I blamed so much of it on culture mm-hmm. and a lot of that, he was handed from a cultural perspective as well. And his mother was handed from a cultural perspective and it is generational and it does sit in that space and it is handed down. And I don't want to devalue how heavy that mm-hmm. is and how hard that is to shake and how, um, how all encompassing and like core to your identity that can Mm -hmm. feel. Um, but it is challengeable. Yeah. You know, like it is something that you can look at in the mirror and just ask, right. You know, like why, why do I believe that I'm bad with money? Why do I believe I am not good enough? Why do, why am I telling myself these things, these bad stories? Um, and I feel like everyone has heard that adage, right? Of like, if, if I, if on my darkest day, I took my worst fucker voice and, and handed it to you, you would immediately look at that and be like, no, like, what are you talking Mm -hmm. about? Like you are, you are no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stop it. It is not true. I don't believe that about you. And, and here, let me tell you all the good things about you that are counters to that. Right. We have a really hard time doing that for ourselves. And, and of course, this brings us back to like the value of community and having folks that can, that can mirror these things back to us and having these conversations. And, you know, if it's really difficult to ask these questions of your own mean voices, like asking someone to help you talk to those mm-hmm. mean voices and, um, whether that's a friend or a parent or a therapist or, you know, whoever that, that professional is. Um, but it's just, it's so, and it's just in there. Like, I feel, and you know, I, this is so not where I thought this conversation
0: Same. was go. I never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but as we sort of like curl ourselves down the hole of the human existence, and, like being a person, like I think it keeps coming back to like being a person is really hard, yeah. you know. And even being a moderately privileged American dwelling English speaking person with a good amount of proximity to whiteness, being a person is really hard. Yeah. And and I just want us I if not just. I hate the just word too. I want us to be asking more questions about that. Like why why is it so why is it so hard? Why am I making it so hard on myself? Why does this suck so much? Yeah. Like this should not have to suck. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think about that too. I mean, as you were saying all that, it's like nothing that we're talking about is easy. Let's just preface that. Like everything that has been discussed in this conversation is what I would deem challenging, not difficult, challenging mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. comes up against all of the things that we've been taught, all the things that we're told, all the things that we might've done habitually, the things that are systemically in the way in which we exist in the world, like all of it's challenging something in us. But a challenge Mm -hmm. doesn't mean danger. A challenge doesn't mean Mm -hmm. bad. It can for sure, but this is all challenging. And I I feel, I'm very grateful that this conversation took this turn. because I feel like this is the crux of really when push comes to shove, everything that we do in life, right? And obviously this came from the perspective of like, how do we get into our (laughs) finances and our narrative (laughs) around finances, but like it's mirrored to the fact that that is also as challenging as any of the other things too. And it doesn't have to be any more challenging than any of the other stuff. And I think what a wonderful little lesson for me to be hearing today about the fact that it isn't you know we put so much pressure on it because perhaps it's something that we don't necessarily understand and it feels really nebulous in all the ways and the ins and the outs that we didn't even frankly talk about there will have to be a part duh and a whatever with this but you know all the other (laughs) like the the inconsistencies about being an artist and the ways that like how do you navigate all like all of that stuff we haven't even touched on but this idea that um It doesn't have to be something beyond us and separate from us because it is just yet another possible challenge that is perhaps an exciting way to recreate or retell your own story. And I, what a wonderful little takeaway lesson that was so unexpected (laughs) from this (laughs) that I'm like sitting here being like, Ooh, what a little. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. I'm just sitting here like taking in your brilliance. But like, I mean, thank you for for going on this journey here today in this way, so openly and beautifully as you always do. It's just, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm so, so grateful.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I I mean, I think this conversation is such a perfect example of like nothing is lost, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's, there's always, there's always some meat and some and some juice to be squeezed out of, out of, out of whatever it is we're digging and we're mining and that, um, the first step, the first step is always inquiry, yeah. you know, whether it's a, whether it's a budget or a big conversation, like this one, it's like, what's the, what's the first, it's the first step. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the first, I think it was Picasso that said, um, the, the, the first stroke on, the first stroke on a canvas is always a mistake. Mm. And then you spend the rest of the art piece fixing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the first mistake I can make? Like, what's the first mm-hmm. messy, dirty, you know, like dive into the thing and then and then and then we'll fix it like we need we need not solve it in a moment but like what's that first step towards financial literacy or justice and equity equality in our practices or you know whatever yeah, giant thing we're solving today. Truly,
0: truly. <laughs> well, how can yeah. people um, if people want to reach you, respecting your boundaries and the way in which you like to be communicated, where can they find you? How can they potentially work with you and Forge? What is that? Absolutely, thank you. Um,
1: so you can find out more about Forge at forgeNYC.org, which will be
0: in the show notes. Don't forget, yeah, y'all, yeah, it'll be there. Yes,
1: excellent, right there. Um, probably even in like link form, it'll be all mm-hmm. high tech. It's going to be so easy. Click on that little link there and you can learn more about myself um, a little bit more about my values and sort of where I stand. I mean, we've like been landed on a little thick here, but um, as well as my uh, co-founder, Greg Taubman, um, and some of the things that we do with Forge, we are very mission-based, how-based, why-based practitioners. We look a lot at process um, and that is everything from five year plans to how do I build this show to I've never made a short film before and I wanna do it. And like, how the heck do I do that? Um, We love connecting the dots and helping folks reach out to the collaborators that they need in their lives to find the people that they need to be working with or wanna be talking to. Um, We really try to be experts of like, We are not experts. Mm -hmm. We are like we we know together. We know a lot, and but not everything. And together, we'll figure out what else we need to know, and then we'll go find that information. Um, We also have a host of development opportunities. We run a pop up workspace called Fast Fuel, in which you can come talk to me face to face, one on one, screen to screen. (laughs) <laughs> whatever that is now. Um, in a free thirty minute conversation, anyone who comes to Fast Fuel can grab thirty minutes with Greg and I and just talk to us about whatever it is that's on your mind. Um, and that's a great way to to get to know us a little better and and see how we work and meet our community. Um, we have a fellowship that we also run. Um, we teach workshops. It, we are we're everywhere. We're doing all kinds of things. Um, so you can learn more about Forge there, and then you can always email me. Um, and Jennifer, I assume you can put that, that email address in, in the show notes as well. It's chia at forgenyc.org. Um, and I really do, I mean, I've told this to, I think every EAC cohort, but like emails in the middle of the night about personal finance and like big life questions are are like my sweet spot. <laughs> we <laughs> so, all have something. You know. <laughs> so you know, hey, um stat and that and desserts. So but really truly like send me an email, reach out to me. I'm also on Instagram at Chia Celine. You can find me there. Um and and reach out uh and and say hi and tell me about what you're working on and what your big questions are and what you're running into and I don't know what your little fucker is saying.
0: And we'll we'll dive in. I'm so, 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 so thankful that you are here again for this. And frankly have been sans the first one. You have been through all of our programming thus far and truly, truly, truly from the bottom of my heart, EAC would not be what it is without the work that you have been doing with our participants. And you are such a crucial part to Reimagining and recalibrating the way in which we can give these life skills to humans earlier, and so I'm just endlessly grateful and um, cannot wait to meet you in human form. Oh my god, this is be <laughs> in the great. least creepy way possible. Just like, <laughs> just like, I mean, I don't know, but thank you, thank you, thank you, and enjoy Mardi Gras.
1: Oh my god, thank you and thank you for having. This is so. It's been such a pleasure to watch EAC grow and unfold and emerge and evolve and change and just become itself um and to continue watching you be at the nexus of that and like I truly you you are you are serving you are serving me you serve us so well um and I and I am I'm thrilled to be a part of this family and uh can't wait to continue being a part of it. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to like squeeze you so hard drive. I, I cannot wait.
0: Ready. I cannot wait. I hope no one's in their proximity because they're going to go bulging and I'm like, I'm here it's for true. it. Just <laughs> and on that <hand laughs> note, we'll see you all in the next episode. <laughs> Goodbye. Hopefully after listening to that, you can understand why this was one of my favorite conversations to date and why I believe it is so important for all artists to listen to. Give yourself a pat on the back. Hopefully it was a learning experience in which you can take something along your way in your artistic journey or your human journey. If you like this episode, please rate, like, follow, turn on your bell notifications, and most importantly, review us. This helps us reach other artists who need to hear these conversations as well. If you have friends that you think would enjoy it, please share with them via your socials or simply a text or even a call or get together and listen in a group. We love that for you and for this and this community. If you hated it, just let it slide. And if you have not yet done so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective or you can find out more on our website at EmpoweredArtistCollective.com With that said, I am Jennifer Apple and I am so grateful that you came back yet again to this podcast. We are so excited to have you back again next week. Until then.